The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jeremccarthy 74 On this week's show... AFLW expert and Aussie rules coach to the stars, Mike Curran, returns to review and analyse every single result from round two of the AFLW season. Mike also looks at every Irish player's individual performance and provides a preview of all this weekend's round three games. Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley is on the big red bench to preview this weekend's Singapore Grand Prix and bring us up to date on all the latest Formula One driver contract news and some good news on the F1 financial front. Red FM rugby expert Wendy Keenan previews the historic upcoming Munster Women's Rugby and Barbarians Clash in Thoman Park and we look ahead to the opening weekend of the new Women's AIL season where we focus on Munster teams UL Bohemians and Ballancolic. Finally, I have a full roundup of all the latest Cork LGFA Senior Intermediate and Junior Club Championship results, scores, standout players and semi-final lineups. That's all to come on this week's Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. AFLW Ireland's Mike Curran joined me on this week's Cork Shred FM Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast to provide his usual analysis, comment and expert coaching opinions on every single one of the AFLW second round of matches this past weekend. Mike also gives us the lowdown on each Irish player's performance during the second weekend of the new AFLW campaign and we also look ahead to every one of round three's games in the AFLW season taking place this weekend. Now then here on Cork Shred FM's Big Red Bench we are already completed round two of the AFLW season. Uh, we were waiting so long for it to come around and now the games are coming so fast, taking fast, that we have a whole second round of games to review. We're also going to take a look ahead to round three, have a look at the ladder and also the Irish Player of the Year contenders already at this stage of the season. And to do all of that, there's only one man to speak to. He's the resident Red FM AFLW expert coach to the stars and that is Mike Curran who rejoins us again here on the bench. Mike, how are you? Great, Jer. Can you believe there's two rounds in the bag already? <laughs> no, I can't. Anyway, as we said, we were crying out for footy. We've gotten footy and we're getting some real quality footy as well, Mike. So let's just begin our uh, roundup of round two, starting on Friday night with Adelaide, who beat Richmond 41-12 at Icon Park, making it two from two with a 29-point victory. The Adelaide Crows, of course, this year have two Irish people on their roster. That's Neve Kelly and Yvonne Bonner, but a good win for Adelaide up front, Mike. It was indeed. You know, this was the, the game that opened round two. It was in wintry conditions. Just remember the timing of the season has changed a bit. So uh, they've got weather a bit like we're used to now for some of these games. But it was the Crows that definitely flexed their muscles. And it was a big night for the club. Their captain, Chelsea Randall, was celebrating her 50th game and a legend of a player on the pitch and a great, uh, great person off it as well. So a uh, big atmosphere around that. It was Tigers that started the brightest. They scored two goals in the first quarter to have a great start and they actually led at quarter time. But that was it. They actually did not score again uh, as the Crows kicked up a gear and, and kicked on from there. So it was Caitlin Gould who is a rook that has become a full forward and that's as a result of, I suppose, Crows losing their two key forwards across the last two seasons um, in terms of Aaron Phillips and Ashley Saint to Port Adelaide. They've been able to put Caitlin Gould up front and she scored two goals this weekend one from round one so she looks like she's going to be a permanent fixture in the, the forward line there we also saw an outstanding goal it's, it's on all the highlight reels from Danielle Ponter literally from the centre circle so um, it was Crows with all the highlights from the Irish players we had both Crows in action again Neve Kelly uh, who was brilliant the week before she was very good again this week with 18 disposals and Yvonne Bonner also playing up front. So both Irish Crows involved. A great win for the Crows. 
back down to earth for the Tigers after their opening round win over the Lions. We kind of knew that was going to be tricky to follow that up, but it's the, the Crows machine that's off to a strong start to the season. It certainly is a good win for the Crows, as you said. We move on now to the Saturday slate and we start with the Gold Coast Suns putting 99 points up on West Coast. Uh, the Irish players involved on the West on Gold Coast this year include Clara Fitzpatrick, Neil McLaughlin and Karen McCrossan, while the West Coast Eagles Irish representative is Ashley McCarthy. But uh, one name as well standing out in this particular fixture, that's Jamie Stanton. Uh, why is that, Mike? Well, the, the, that was the standout performance of the game. First of all, Jamie Stanton is a foundation player for the Suns. She was playing in her 50th game as well. So a lot of players now hitting their 50-game milestones, as we're hearing throughout. But she scored six goals for Gold Coast Suns in this game. So th- that was obviously one of the, the standout factors. But in a game that was dubbed the Battle of the Coast, we know how the Aussies love their name. So it was Gold Coast Suns versus West Coast Eagles. Um, Gold Coast blitzed the Eagles right from the start here. They kicked four goals, two behinds to no score in the first quarter. They were actually up by eight goals at half time. And you, as you said there, they had a total of 99 points. This was their biggest ever score in their history. They had surpassed their previous biggest score at half time. And that 99 points is the third highest score ever in the history of AFLW. So all the records have um, been broken there. We mentioned already Jamie Stanton. The other standout, I suppose, was one of the young Suns players, Charlie Rowbottom, who had a, a record 16 clearances as well. So they had standout performances all across the field. From the Irish side, the highlight, I suppose, was Neve McLaughlin from Donegal, last year's um, LGFA Player of the Year. Her speed and sidestep, there was numerous highlights of that. Absolutely brilliant. And this is only her second game, but we saw her comfortably and confidently bouncing the, the Sharon up and down the pitch at speed. So... Uh, she is taken to the sport, not a bother to her. The game also featured Clara Fitz in defence for the Suns and uh, on the Eagles side, the sole Irish Eagle, and always battling, as always, was Ash Mack. Despite uh, being at the end of, of a trouncing, Ashling was brilliant uh, herself, and she had 11 tackles for the game. I'm pretty sure that's a record number of, of tackles for an individual Irish player um, across AFLW as well, so... Working for Oatley as always. But yeah, an outstanding uh, win for Gold Coast Suns. It certainly was. Good to hear Neil McLaughlin is settling in, like you said there. And as always, Ashley McCarthy up to her absolute best, giving her best. And I'm sure she'll bounce back with the West Coast Eagles. They're going to want to bounce back from that as quickly as possible. We move on to another big win, this time for the Brisbane Lions, who beat Port Adelaide 76-26. to Two Irish players on this year's Lions roster are Oro Dwyer and Jennifer Dunn. And the Lions, having been stung in their opening round last week to Richmond, they responded in style here. They did, and look, we said it last week, it was it was likely it was going to happen. We predicted it, and that's what they did. They were looking to make amends for that open round defeat. They did that in style with a 50-point win over Port Adelaide. So that's two heavy wins in a row now for Port Adelaide to, to start their season. But in terms of Brisbane, I suppose they led from start to finish um, to keep Port Adelaide winless. They were brilliant everywhere, but spearheaded by their full forward, Dakota Davison, who's a bit of a charismatic character, she kicked four goals and she had six contested marks, which was just one shy of the, the overall AFLW um, record for that. So four goals for her and we saw customary big celebrations to follow um, every goal. As we mentioned, she's a big uh, character and a crowd pleaser. Um, and it, I suppose further lines, the midfield were outstanding. You know, they brought physicality, pressure throughout, none more so than Orla Dwyer on the wing. As you mentioned there, the only Irish involvement in this game Orla got a goal in this game, 19 disposals, six tackles, you know, absolutely brilliant across the ground. But yeah, the Lions have bounced back in style from that opening round defeat to get their first win on the board. 
Excellent stuff. We move on now to Geelong and Sydney Swans and a big win for Geelong here. 68 to 41. Lots of Irish interest in these two franchises this year. Three Irish players on the Geelong Cats roster with Rachel Kearns, Ashley Maloney, Anna Rose Kennedy. Sydney Swans have four. Jennifer Higgins, Paris McCarthy, Julia Sullivan and Tanya Kennedy. Um, but this was Geelong making another early season statement, Mike, and uh, one player in particular grabbing the headlines in the win over Sydney. Yeah, well, this is again, as we're seeing in a bit of a pattern here, like a good start is everything in these games. And Geelong booted five goals in the first quarter to Swans four behinds. So that really was the difference throughout the game. And that inaccuracy in front of the goal would hinder Sydney for the, the remainder of the game, despite them being more competitive from the, the second quarter on. Again, yeah, it was a big goal scorer up front. Five goals scored for Chloe Shear, who again is becoming a key target um, for Geelong up front. Of course, that attack also featured Ashley Maloney. She scored a goal in round one, just two behinds. Um, this time, she didn't hit a goal this this round. But we also saw the return of Rachel Kearns back in action for her first appearance in 2023 for the Cats. And then if we switch across to the Irish on the Swan side, we saw the two defenders, I suppose, uh, Tanya Kennedy and Julia Sullivan. And most notable from their performances, I suppose, would be Tanya Kennedy doing a, a tagging job on one of the cat stars there, George Perspakis, who opened with seven or eight disposals in the first quarter alone. They switched Kennedy onto her and I think she only got a few disposals for the rest of the game. So a strong defensive individual performance from her. But yeah, Geelong, two goals from two, uh, an outstanding start to the season for definite. Excellent stuff. We move on to the Sunday slate of games where the Hawthorne beat the Western Bulldogs 46-39. to The Hawks this year have two Irish players on their roster, Aileen Gilroy and Anya McDonough. And it was the Hawks' first win of the season, Mike, but only just, but I would imagine they'll take it. Oh, they'll take it. And look, uh, this definitely, you couldn't call this an upset, but it definitely would have been a surprise to some people. Uh, definitely not to the Hawks, because they're no short of confidence uh, and their head coach, Beck Goddard and the crew there. But this game was up in Ballarat drew a big crowd. Um, it was the Hawks who got across the line for their first win of the season. This really was the definition of a seesaw game. You know, Hawthorne were down a quarter time, up at half time, down at three quarter time and finished uh, just on top when it mattered at, at the final siren to hold on for that win by seven points. So yeah, a brilliant win for them to get their first win of the season in just the second game against probably what would be considered a higher ranked team. Just remember Western Bulldogs were top eight finisher last season. They have now slumped to two defeats in their first two games. So they're going to want to get their season back on track sooner rather than later. And a lot of Hawthorne's win was based on some great work through the centre of the ground. And that saw the Irish players prominent. And both Aileen Gilroy and Anya McDonough were on the scoreboard again with a goal each. They also both scored a goal in round one. So they now have scored a goal each across both of the rounds uh, for the second week in a row. So great to see the, the Irish Hawks doing well and that early win on the board for the Hawks, which is going to work wonders for their confidence. Yes, rightly so. Any kind of win at the start of the season like that is bound to boost confidence of that particular team. A lot of Irish involvement as well this year. Let's hope Hawthorne can kick on from there. Now we move on to Collingwood, who beat Fremantle 46-25. to A lot of interest uh, from an Irish point of view here as well. Two Irish players on the Magpies roster this year, Sarah Rowe and Ashley Sheridan. Fremantle of four uh, listed Anya Tyke, Orla Lally, Amy Mulholland and Joanne Craig. But a 21-point win for the Cats on this one, Mike, and I would imagine fully deserved. Yeah, it was deserved. You know, um, this game was at Victoria Park, I suppose, the spiritual, the spiritual home of Collingwood. Um, uh, three goals in the first quarter gave them a great start and they had another three in the third quarter and I suppose they were the foundations for a very impressive win. Uh, Frio did look impressive when they adapted more to the game in the second and the last quarters. But overall, I think Magpies were deserving winners in this one. 
um, six Irish people on the rosters and six Irish people playing. So every Irish player was involved. Not surprisingly, this was the featured game on, on Sport TG Carr as well. And in terms of the Irish for Collingwood, if we start there, um, Ashling Sheridan was probably the standout player of the day across the board, not to, not to mind just the Irish players and, and possibly her best individual performance um, in her career today is across a number of years. She had 21 disposals, eight tackles, six center clearances, and she had one highlight of a, a goal-saving smother that could have swung the momentum of the game if that had gone through. So Ashling Sheridan, absolutely brilliant, as was Sarah Rowe. She kicked her first goal for the season. She had 17 disposals, nine tackles. So again, these tackle counts uh, very high, just showing the hard work that the Irish players are doing when they're not in possession. And both the Irish Magpies were named amongst the best on ground. On the Docker side then, we had the four Irish players involved. And this week, it was Amy Mulholland, who was the best of the Irish. And again, she probably had one of her best games across her two seasons to date, um, playing up front for the Dockers. Anya Tai didn't get the usual amount of possession up front, uh, due to, I suppose, a very tight defensive work from, from Collingwood. And she was actually taken back behind the ball in the second half to, to play off half back. Uh, to help give the Dockers some forward momentum and, and that was actually worked to great effect and, and contributed to Dockers coming back into that one. And we also saw Joanne Craig and Orla Lally and Orla Lally moved up front for the last quarter as well and she looked best up there in the forward line as she did last season as well. So I think that's where her spot is. She scored her first ever AFLW goal so delighted for her personally that, to get that accolade. But yeah, Collingwood on the board was an impressive win uh, um, and looking good for season 23. Yeah, uh, certainly Collingwood, the Magpies with Sarah Rowan lashing Sheridan in tow this year. You'd expect them with a settled squad as well to kick on from here, but a good win over Frio. Now we find we move on to North Melbourne, who beat Carlton 66-6 at, uh, at Arden Street, a 60-point hammering over Carlton, which ensured the Kangaroos remain unbeaten after two rounds. Kangaroos Irish contingent this year, Ailey's Constantine, Ailish Considine, Eric O'Shea and Neave Martin and Carlton have two Irish players on their roster, Aaron Fitzpatrick and Denia Finn. But yeah, a 60-point hammering from Carlton there on, on Carlton says it all really, Mike. Yeah, there's no way to dress this one up. The Kangaroos ran right against the Blues at Arden Street. Uh, a seriously impressive start to the season on top of their win in round one. They're looking really good. The Blues, Carlton did not score at all until the last few minutes of the, the final quarter and were on track to be the only team ever not to score in AFLW history. So that would have been a, a record they're glad to have avoided. And it was the Irish um, player, Aaron Fitzpatrick, who won herself a free kick and slotted through um, the only Carlton score for the game and her first AFLW goal as well. So again, a nice personal um, milestone to see that. But small consolation for Carlton. As I say, Kangaroos were unstoppable uh, Jasmine Gardner and Ash Riedel, you might men- remember we mentioned them after round one. They both had 29 disposals each. This weekend, they had 36 disposals each. So they're looking like an unstoppable midfield uh, pairing. Uh, but yeah, it's the Kangaroos are looking in great shape. They're definitely uh, towards the top of the table and unbeaten as they head into round three. Yes, indeed. And a, and a fantastic performance, as you said there, from them. Uh, we now move on to the uh, final game, uh, second last game, sorry. And this is Essendon, who beat St Kilda 40-28. Now, the big headline coming from this one is that Essendon marked its historic first ever AFLW fixture at the Windy Hill venue by notching its second victory in a row, while the Saints slipped to naught in two. This year, Essendon will have Joanne Doonan, uh, the Irish player on their, on their roster, St Kilda, will have Grace Kelly. But I suppose the fixture, this one, Mike, was all about where it was held rather than necessarily just about the result. 
Yeah, and there was a, there was a couple of the games I suppose at venues that, that that had a lot of relevance for clubs' histories as we've touched on there across the the first few games. None more so than this one, as you mentioned there. Windy Hill, I suppose, is the spiritual home and historical home of Essendon. And no AFL game or had even been playing there since 1991. So this was the first ever AFLW game with the first pro game of any shape for since 1991. So a lot of years there. So there was a lot of um, history and nostalgia attached to that occasion. So uh, again, Essendon will have been delighted to get over the uh, for St Kilda with a win there by by 12 points. Um, and they've put together a, a great start to the season. Back-to-back wins for them, albeit against probably teams on the lower side of the table, but, but they won't care. They have two wins from two at the at the start. Um, they had the better start with a three-goal opening quarter. St Kilda battled back, um, but a, a scoreless final quarter from both teams saw the Bombers hold out in that one. So on the Irish side of it, uh, we had just one Irish player involved, Grace Kelly featuring for the Swans, playing in just her second game. Very impressive, 16 disposals, six marks. So she's showing her aerial ability and prowess um, already there for the Saints. But remaining winless it's two from two from Essendon and what a night to win um, up at Windy Hill great for the club it certainly was and we finish uh, the round two round up with the reigning premiers Melbourne who absolutely demolished the Giants 99-22 to a second 99 total of the weekend with the Demons heaping further misery as we said on the Giants three Irish players in the Demons squad this year Sinead Goldrick Blaheen Macken and Amy Macken um, Melbourne's quest for back-to-back premierships looks on course Mike but what about the Giants yeah, Melbourne. Look, you could not ask for a better start to, the, to their premiership defence, or they could have, they could not have looked more impressive. As you mentioned, a massive score of ninety nine points, a winning margin of of seventy seven points. Melbourne have now become the first club in AFLW to win fifty games, so they're the first club to reach that milestone. Um, Adelaide Crows are on forty nine, Brisbane Lions are on forty five, so they'll hit that soon enough in this season. But Melbourne are the first to get there. They had fifteen goals on the night coming from seven different goal kickers. So they're just showing they've got a range of, of options up front and a range of players that can hit the scoreboard there. And, and that's ominous for everybody else. Um, none more so than their new captain. We mentioned Kate Hoare last week, but we're mentioning her again this week. She uh, was playing up front full forward. She kicked five goals. And realistically, you know, she's the captain. She, she's kicking goals. She looks to be an early season chance to become the first forward in serious contention, contention to win the league best and fairest. You know, that that has been won by midfielders across every season so far. But I know it's early days, but that's how impressive she's been across round one and, and round two. Um, so Giants, yeah, like it's a tough day at the officer for them. They actually opened the game with the first goal from the first bounce, would you believe? So if you were watching that, you were thinking they're off to a great start. But from then on in, it was a, a demon's avalanche. So... It's tough for the Giants. They lost the Sydney Derby the week before. Obviously, they wouldn't have been fancied against Melbourne, but probably wouldn't would have preferred not to go down by such a big margin as that. So they'll want to um, recover uh, next week or across the next couple of rounds. In terms of the Irish at Melbourne, Blind Macken was brilliant again. She was involved. She scored a goal and was involved at both the start and the end of a very impressive move. And she continued a great start to the season. And Sinead Goldrick was back in top form as well in half back for Melbourne there with 16 disposals so uh, yeah awesome and awesome for Melbourne Demons 
It certainly was, yeah. Sad to see the Giants in such a state because they've had such uh, a lot of interest on this side of the water, obviously with their Irish contingent in recent years. But um, as you said, uh, if uh, if ever a reigning Premier looked up for the battle, it is certainly the Melbourne Demons. That is the roundup of round two that we've just gone through. Before we have a quick check on all the games coming up this weekend on round three, let's have a quick check on the ladder. It is very early days. Only two rounds have been played. But at the top, two Melbourne clubs, Kangaroos and the Demons on eight points apiece. They're joined up there by the Adelaide Crows, the Geelong Cats, and Essendon uh, to round off the top five and then the top eight um, on a clutch of clubs on four points but because of their percentage uh, the Gold Coast Suns Brisbane Lions and Hawks great to see the Hawks up there in the top eight the bottom eight uh, other teams on four points at the moment Sydney Swans Frio Collingwood Richmond and Carlton and those yet to get off the mark and desperate to do so I'd imagine as we enter round three the Western Bulldogs St Kilda the Giants Port Adelaide and the West Coast Eagles this weekend we're going to have a quick run through each of the fixtures and Mike will get you to pick out the ones that you're looking forward to the most on Friday Friday, we kick off round three with the Cats travelling to the uh, current joint leaders, uh, the North Melbourne Kangaroos um, in Geelong, and that should be a cracking game. On Saturday, the Giants go in search of their first win. They take on uh, Richmond. Adelaide Crows uh, travel to Essendon, which should be a cracking game as well at the Wigan Oval in Adelaide. Melbourne uh, go to the Western Bulldogs, where they'll be expected to win, and the Frio Dockers will be taking on the Hawks, uh, two very evenly matched teams after the opening two rounds. That takes place at the Fremantle Community Bank Oval in Perth. On Sunday, St Kilda are at uh, Port Adelaide. The West Coast Eagles are at Carlton. The uh, Gold Coast Suns welcome Collingwood. And then the big game of the final night of the uh, round three sees the Brisbane Lions travelling to the Sydney Swans. Of those fixtures over the coming weekend for round three, Mike, which are the ones that you're most looking forward to and why? As always, there's something in every one of those games, in fairness, (laughs) but uh, it's hard to look past the opening game of of round three. Long versus North Melbourne, you know. um, Both teams unbeaten. Four teams met twice last year, Mooney, separated by less than five points, including um, in the final series where Geelong just lost out by two points there. Uh, both looking incredibly impressive at the start of the season. So that's the game of the round without question. Top of the table clash, Geelong versus um, North Melbourne Kangaroos. Then even if you look at, you know, we just mentioned GWS Giants there against Richmond. They need to get their season back on track. Mm. It's, it's going to be hard to see it against Richmond, who are uh, playing very well at the moment as well. Um, Adelaide Crows versus Bombers two more unbeaten teams but I mentioned it in the, the review there that Bombers have their two wins probably against teams further down the table so you'd expect Adelaide Crows to, to win that one uh, Melbourne versus Bulldogs Melbourne is the Melbourne steam going or train going to keep steaming along yes I think it is and probably more misery for Western Bulldogs on the way next weekend and then I suppose across the last couple of games there Dockers versus Hawthorne Expect six Irish players in action on that mm-hmm. one. So hopefully we get to see that one on, on TV here on TG Car as well. But that's the game with the most Irish involvement. St. Kilda versus Port Adelaide. Both have two losses from two games. So someone's going to get their first one of the season. So there's there's interest in that game from that point of view. And then you've got Eagles and Carlton both bouncing back from big losses at the weekends. Someone's going to co- want to come away with a win there. So as I said, you could go through every game and pick something out. But um, there's definitely a few fixtures that stick out more than others there but there's going to be Irish interest throughout and lots to talk about as ever Mike next week when we come back to review round three all over again before we finish up the Irish player of the year standings again it is very early stages it's only after two rounds but there is quite a lot of interest in this every year and you keep track of it Um, who were the Irish players this past week from round two that stood out and where do we stand after two rounds so um, we didn't even get a chance to talk about it after round one, but Neil Kelly, Kelly was the player of the year, Irish player of the year for round one. Uh, that goes without question. She was outstanding last week. 
This round just gone in round two, it was Ashling Sheridan. Again, that one is a self-explanatory, absolutely brilliant performance from her, followed closely actually by her Magpies teammate Sarah Rowe, and in third this week was Orlo O'Dwyer. So as you say, we're only two rounds in, but already on the overall leaderboard for the AFLW Irish Player of the Year, we have got uh, in first place Neve Kelly on 175 points, second Sarah Rowe, 165, third Ash Mack on 150, Coming in fourth is Orlo Dwyer and fifth is Ashling Sheridan. So all the big names already starting to rise to the top. Uh, we have 33 Irish players. There was 22 involved last week, 23 involved this week. We'll expect a couple of more players to come in across the next few weeks as well with some players still to make their AFLW debuts and club debuts. So there is a lot of interest traditionally in this across the last few seasons and no doubt will continue across the rest of this season. But yeah, brilliant to see... Um, those names at the top of the table already and standout performances from the Irish stars. It absolutely is and it just shows the class as well as you mentioned. These, these are the names we've come, become accustomed to over the years as we've, we've covered the AFLW here on the big red bench with you Mike and I have a funny feeling we'll be seeing a few more names as you said over the coming weeks. That is the recap of round two of the AFLW season and the preview of round three and don't forget uh, next week back here on the big red bench once again Mike Cran will be with me to go through all of those games how all the Irish players fared. In the meantime Mike where can we find AFLW Ireland content uh, through social media yeah keep up to date on all the news and all the updates on at AFLW underscore Ireland on Instagram Facebook Twitter TikTok the works primarily Instagram but right across the week as well as previews and reviews we've got the team news and updates and all the various awards and highlights and and everything uh, across the board at AFLW underscore Ireland essential omnipresent AFLW viewing as ever Mike Carrad thanks a million for joining us look forward to talking again next week buddy Absolutely. Thanks, Jar. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Cork's Red FM's resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, rejoins me on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast this week to provide analysis, comment, and our expert preview of this weekend's 2023 Singapore Grand Prix. Sarah's plenty of 2024 driver contract news, including confirmation of both Mercedes drivers signing up, a possible long-term driver deal at Williams, Carlos Sainz of Ferrari possibly looking at a 2026 move to Audi, and all those drivers still to be confirmed and possibly at risk of their seats. And finally, Sarah also speaks to us about the FIA recently confirming that no Formula One teams breached the cost cap in 2022, despite initial reports of multiple infractions. Now on Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench, we are delighted to be joined by our resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, to preview the Singapore GP, which takes place next weekend. But also to talk about some contract news and some news as well uh, of cost caps and positive news for a change with F1. But uh, a lot to get through uh, ahead of what is another exciting weekend in the Grand Prix season. Sarah, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Good, good to hear it. Everyone's in good form. We've uh, had a bit of a gap uh, to to the next GP, but I think uh, we haven't been short of things to talk about. And as always, at this time of the year, as you no doubt know from previous years of listening to us here on the bench with Sarah, uh, contract news is something that's in a lot of headlines at this particular time of year. As uh, you know, various seats become available. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. We're going to find out. We have confirmation though from Mercedes about what their driver lineup will be for twenty twenty four. Yeah, it was interesting. They decided to announce kind of at the same time that they're retaining George Russell and Sir Lewis Hamilton until the end of the 2025 season, which is, of course, just before the next big round of regulation changes come in. And interestingly, it was reported afterwards that Hamilton's contract had actually been signed way back in May and they sort of just like played the game 
uh, with the media, which is, I think, quite funny because we all fell for it. So uh, I think that was just a kind of a funny one. But it's good to hear that that the, the lineup is still going strong. I think, you know, we'll see if they can build on their, you know, technical strength of the machinery over the next couple of years. I think you're then looking back at managerial you know, personality uh, challenges, but that's something that that we've seen over and over again down the years. So I think overall good news that they're staying together at that team. Um, and just before we leave it, was this done with more and I on keeping George Russell happy? And, you know, George, we really value you. So we're naming you at the same time because Sir Lewis, who can do no wrong, Hamilton, you know, we don't mm-hmm. want to be putting one over the other. Might there have been a bit of kind of, you know, talking to the agents there? Potentially, I think it is important. Like if if George really is the future of that team, they need to, as you say, they need to make sure he feels like that. And I think you're always, especially if you've got someone like Hamilton at the end of their career and you're a younger driver joining the team, you know sort of what you're getting yourself into. But there does at the moment seem to be that very positive long-term kind of promise, I suppose, um, to George Russell that, that look, you have the potential to make this your own. So yeah, I think it's, you know, it's potentially a nice nod to that. Yes, I think so as well. Uh, and of course, we're all prefacing this with, uh, you know, Mercedes are going to be successful in the next couple of years. There's no doubt about that. It's interesting. Maybe the drivers know something we don't about the upgrades on the way. We'd have to keep an eye on that as well. But interesting that they're announced at the same time, but they are signed up for 20, until 2025. And that gives a bit of stability to a team that really badly needs it. But they also need a bit of miles per hour in their engines, but certainly stability. So maybe it's not the craziest thing to do. Um, Carlos Sainz um, may be looking at a move in, tw- in 2026, but to where, Sarah? Yep, so Audi are going to be coming in to Formula 1 in 2026. They're going to be taking what is currently the Alfa Romeo Sauber team and they're going to be making it into an Audi works team. And this was announced, you know, a while back, but there is a sort of rumour bubbling that Carlos Sainz has had what we would call talks about talks uh, with that team, which is just interesting because... Because this actually happens quite a bit in F1. You know, we heard about Fred Vasseur trying to trying to lure Sir Lewis Hamilton away from away from Mercedes to Ferrari. And these things do happen. It's just interesting when when the news breaks and when it kind of doesn't. So potentially looking at that, I don't think he'll go anywhere immediately. But I don't if, if Charles Leclerc stays at Ferrari long term, I don't think it would necessarily be the worst thing for Carlos Sainz to go and look at Pastor's new potentially. Yeah, and if you're Audi coming in, you're going to look for a combination probably of an experienced driver and also a young up-and-coming driver to give it that balance. And Sainz mm-hmm. is certainly at that point of his career would, would be in that bracket. And you're right, I think he would welcome a move away from Ferrari unless things improve over the coming 24 months. Who knows um, what's under the hood of that Ferrari, uh, with the, especially with the Red Bull so far ahead of everybody else. But mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think he would relish something like that because Leclerc is certainly entrenched in, mm-hmm. in, in Scuderia Ferrari uh, and will be for some time. But um, the opportunities drive for a car that may not be competitive straight off the bat but with the money and the prestige and the expert expertise that Audi would bring over a couple of years I think that's something science actually would uh, potentially look at depending on who his teammate is probably end up being Charles Leclerc after about a year but let's not even contemplate that um, we know that that might happen with science at 26 but there are some drivers who are still to be confirmed and a few that are at risk who are they sir? 
Yeah, so Joe Guanyu has not yet been confirmed at Alfa Romeo for next year. And also, obviously, both the Alfa Tauri seats are technically up for grabs. So you've got Liam Lawson in for Daniel Ricciardo, who replaced Nick DeVries uh, at the moment. Merry go Yeah. And then you have Yuki Tsunoda, who uh, he's just constantly being the one to beat, you know, being put on the back burner. So... Maybe they will keep Yuki for potentially another year. I I don't know how much longer they'd be willing to kind of invest in him. Equally, they might just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, right, we're having Daniel Ricciardo back and we're keeping Liam Lawson. They could, you know, there's any number of things that could happen there. And then lastly, Logan Sargent, his seat in the Williams is actually not yet to be confirmed either. Um, they did announce that Alex Albon is staying until the end of 24, but Logan Sargent has not yet been confirmed. I find, well, that's interesting, though, um, in terms of the Albon news as well, like because there's a couple of them that have shown sparks, I suppose, of cre- of you know creativity in their driving and speed at different times as well. They found pace mm-hmm. in the car. I guess at this point, for a lot of the constructors, they're looking for consistency. Okay, if we're going to bring you in, you've had a couple of good races, what we really need out of you now is pace and we need pace over, irrespective of what the downforce is and what way the tracks are and whether it suits our car or not. And some of the drivers that I've seen this year that impressed me, Albon is one of them. Um, and I think he has, Absolutely. he has, you've, you've mentioned it before, you've seen that potential in him and is that somebody, you know, like a Ferrari down the line or, or who knows, even a McLaren uh, as, as time goes on, he's the kind of driver that fits the bill possibly as a future number one there. Totally. There, there's a lot of chat about that. I think what would keep him at Williams would be if they are able to sort of meet him, you know, where his talent is coming forward. I think if they were able to meet him there with the machinery, potentially you could be looking at something where they team up on a longer term basis. I actually would really like to see that because I think Williams have put in such tireless work trying to get themselves back to being competitive in Formula One. And I, I would hate to see him you know, disappear off to a larger team and for them to suffer. But I think there's a potential there for him to stay longer term. I think it just needs to be promising enough that it matches the potential that he's currently showing. Yep, that's about as fair as it can be uh, on, on those things. Of course, speculation, we love speculation uh, on mm-hmm. this on this particular uh, show here on the Big Red Bench. You're listening to Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench, our resident Formula 1 expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, joining us ahead of this weekend's Grand Prix, which returns after a brief break. The Marina Bay Street Circuit will host the Singapore GP. And uh, lots to look forward to, because considering, before we look ahead, last year was very, very exciting because Checo Perez came home first in the Red Bull, and then we had a two and a three with Leclerc and Sainz in the Ferraris. Uh, the not much mentioned this year Lando Norris in the McLaren was fourth mm-hmm. and never mentioned at all since was Daniel Ricciardo uh, in, in the other McLaren so look I guess looking into it let's let's just not talk about Red Bull because everyone knows where they're probably going to end up and how it's all going to end with Max let's talk about the rest of the field and going into Singapore considering some more, more often than not you have the downpours you know weather is a factor and this it's very very hard to predict but the circuit and what you expect from the coming weekend Sarah are we looking at Ferrari are we looking at Mercedes taking a step forward and what about the middle of the pack is there somebody that might spring forward and that this track might actually suit better yeah, I think it's, so this is actually my favourite night race of the year. I love it. Um, I It was interesting to see during the week that Mercedes are opti- optimistic enough to come out and say that they're optimistic uh, about how the car is going to perform in Singapore. So normally they don't, 
they don't really kind of come off the fence that often. So I think that's an interesting one and maybe an indication that they could be up there with Ferrari. Obviously, as you said, not at the level of Red Bull, but it would be great if if we could get that, you know, that kind of scrap back again. Um, I think other than that, as you say, the weather can be quite changeable and that's always an opportunity for those midfield runners to to kind of pull something out of the bag. So I wouldn't be surprised if we if we did see that. Um I know we said we won't talk about Red Bull, but as you said, Checo Checo was was great last year and he does love a street circuit. And uh unfortunately during the week Helmut Marco was giving him, you know, even more fuel to his fire as if he ever needed it. He he made some absolutely ridiculous remarks and has now issued a public apology to Checo. But I think it's just interesting that, you know, that team continues to you know, disrespect him mm. in a lot of ways. Um, sometimes words, sometimes actions. Is that because there's far too much love for Max? I just... That it I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter, I suppose, is what I'm getting at, who the second yeah, driver I is still, really. Yeah, I, I potentially, I, I also think there is, um, unfortunately, there is a bit of a culture, and this is not to say everyone at Red no. Bull is like that, but I think there is a culture of ignorance sometimes mm. in the folks that they do roll out to make comments. And we all know Helmut Marco is, you know, a fire starter. So, um, you know, there's a difference between there's, there's a pretty clear line, I think, between being incendiary and being mm. racist. Mm. Um, and I think, unfortunately, he doesn't always toe that line in the way that he should. And people mm. connected to the team don't always toe that line. So if, you know, if, if Paris needed any reason, oh. uh, any further reason to kind of stick it to them, then I think that he's, he's, he's got absolutely it. got it there. Yeah. Yeah. No fair point about that particular individual. Don't really like talking about him with her, but uh, it's no. why uh, uh, during a slow news week, I, I think it's kind of some journalists tend to go where they know they'll get their headlines. And unfortunately he's an easy, easy target. Um, we mentioned that the Singapore GP is coming up this weekend at the Marina Bay uh, street circuit. Um, at the current standings at the moment is you probably no doubt know without me having to tell you Max Verstappen is way out in front of the lead but Sergio Perez is in second at 219 Alonso Hamilton and Sainz bring up the top five the constructors Red Bull way out in front Mercedes are battling with Ferrari for second place Aston Martin not out of it yet uh, McLaren uh, languishing in fifth and it's uh, GMT uh, this weekend on Sunday 17th September at 1 o'clock the Marina Bay Circuit the uh, Singapore Grand Prix will take place but before we finish up this week Sarah uh, some good news I suppose um, from a final financial point of view, FAA had an important and positive announcement this past week. Yep. So the FIA have confirmed that there were no cost cap breaches during the 2022 season. Mm. Obviously, we saw a number of them the prior season, primarily Red Bull and Aston Martin. And originally, the reports coming out this year were that there were up to three teams that had breached it in 2022. But the FIA have come out and said, no, all 10 teams have been given their compliance certificates. So it's uh, it's interesting, but I think the difficulty with it is that, you know, the 2022 season ended last year, naturally, and we're now in September of this year, and it just can't take that long. You know, it really just, if it's going to stay that way, I don't know whether it's a, a lack of resources or a process improvement issue, but the value that it holds really is just so badly diluted by the fact that we have to wait this long to find out this massively impacting you know, piece of information. I think it's just something that they're really going to have to look at fixing and improving moving forward. 
Is it because there's more eyes than ever on it? I mean, before this would have happened roughly at the same speed, pardon the pun in Formula One, but because now you have the Netflix generation taking notice, because you have this cloud over Saudi Arabia and other places in the Middle East that may eventually come in and pump billions into Formula One, which I think some of the investors are waiting on, that this kind of information, as positive as it is, you know, everything is so guarded now in Formula One, so carefully orchestrated from the FIA, not necessarily from the teams, as you pointed out earlier on, with a few individuals. Um, You know, this is a multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry, and it's only a matter of time before some uh, somewhere from the Far East invests, like they have done in the Premier League or sets up the Saudi Arabian League, which they've done. Are we looking at, you know, a very, very you know, concerned accountants here rather than Formula One experts? Yeah, I think it's it's a lot down to the the fear, especially because immediately as soon as they brought it in, it was breached. You know, like mm. that isn't great. Uh, and we also had people playing games with their money, calling things something that they weren't, etc. Um, so I think absolutely that's going to slow things down because you're afraid of saying, you know, reporting something that is incorrect. Mm. But at the same time, if you're going to put that much weight on it, it just, they, in my mind, they need to do whatever needs to be done on their end to incentivize the teams to get their reports in as quickly as possible and then get those reviewed as quickly as possible. Because if, if let's say those teams had, you know, breached it, we'd be looking, we'd be having probably a conversation about nothing else this week. You know, that would have been huge news. So I think positive, but definitely a huge, huge amount of room for improvement there. Yes, and I presume anyone that was bordering, as you outlined there, on in trouble, I wonder, did they just get a magical cash injection? This is my mm. point of view, not yours or Red <laughs> FM's, just my, you know, journalistic, you know, uh, you know, wondering. They suddenly saved a ton of money mm. on catering. That's Amazing, what happened. Yeah. <laughs> no cucumber sandwiches, just the bread. Um this weekend, uh, Formula One season continues. As we said, Singapore GP starting at 1 o'clock GMT from the Marina Bay Street Circuit. We will have a full review on all the latest news as well to come on next week's uh, Big Red Bench here with our resident expert, Sarah McKenzie Folio. Until then, Sarah, where can we find some of your online content? Yeah, so I'll uh, be live tr- tweeting during the race. You can follow me at MacTweets underscore and you can also search Sarah McKenzie F1 on YouTube to check out my latest videos. Excellent stuff. Talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Drew. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Our regular rugby expert, Wendy Keenan, joined me on this week's Corks Red FM Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast once again. Wendy previewed the historic upcoming Monster Women's Rugby and Barbarian Slash, which takes place in Thoman Park and forms a doubleheader with the men's game immediately afterwards. And Wendy also looks ahead to the opening weekend of the new women's AIL season, where we focused on Monster Teams, UL Bohemians and Balancolic. Now, here on the Big Red Bench, we're delighted to be joined by our resident rugby expert, Wendy Keenan, to talk about the latest off and on field topics to do with Munster women's rugby and Irish women's rugby. Wendy, you're very welcome back. How are you? Delighted to be back, Jerry. Thanks a million. Um, we're just about over the Interprovincial Championship and what happened in the final. We're still disappointed and there's still a lot of rugby to come and uh, we're on the precipice of a brand new season. But there is some good news surrounding the doubleheader, a uh, historic doubleheader involving Munster and the Barbarians, which takes place on Saturday the 30th of September at Thoman Park. The uh, Barbarians women's team will place the Munster women's team for the first time at 2pm ahead of the men's game at 4.30. And we've got some interesting news about the Barbarians lineup. We do indeed. Seven Irish players have been named in that Barbarian squad to face Munster. Uh, what a great clash this is going to be. Um, we'll see Lindsay Pete, Kira O'Connor, Kira Cooney, 
uh, Ailsa Hughes, uh, Mary Healy, but more importantly for us in Munster, Kira Griffin has been included in that squad and so has Catherine Buggy, who had a stint with Shannon before she was in the UK. But how excited are we going to be to see uh, Kira Griffin uh, playing in for the Barbarians? And fully deserved too. I mean, this is this is a window of, of opportunity. Not that we know doubt these players' talents, but there's going to be a lot of eyeballs, probably more so than usual, on this particular type of game, Wendy. Is that fair? I, I think so. I think like it's going to be a more social occasion, of course. Do you know what I mean? For all the past players, hopefully we're going to have a an all get together and and have a day out. Um, so hopefully in Tolman Park. But I was just looking looking back, and I'm 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 nearly certain, but I'm open to correction always. I think the last game that Kira Griffin played for Ireland was the game that they didn't make it to the World Cup. Okay. So it was a very sad occasion for her, and after that, I think she, you know, what I mean, retired out of the Irish jersey. So this will be a match back for her, and one hopefully that's you know full of joy and enjoyment. And I think that's an important way, if you know what I mean, if you're signing off your rugby career, that you you go through the bang really. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, she's as fit as a fiddle. Um. You know, doing lots of lots of uh, hard endurance events. We've seen her on the television, mm. um, in the army event. But um, it's going to be very exciting. It is. And from Munster's point of view, Wendy, obviously, as we said, the interprovincial season is over, but this is a unique opportunity now uh, for Niamh Briggs and Fiona Hayes to have a look at some of the players, maybe, uh, that finished the interprovincial season, give them another chance in a Munster jersey and see what lies ahead for the coming season. But also the fringe players, perhaps, getting an opportunity to play in front of a huge crowd in a big atmosphere as well. Is this the kind of game where you take, you know, like Kate Foundry, you look for her to kick on and take on another step and players of that ilk in the Munster lineup? Well, I suppose first and foremost, it's a historic event um, that's been held in Thoman Park. Neil will be looking for a victory. Mm. Um, you know, so if, if you're asking me, do you think that the young guns are going to be put out, you know what I mean, to see how they get on? I'd say no. Um, I think she's going to go with her strongest squad, whoever's available. Of course, they will have had um, AIL, uh, thanks to the, uh, the IRFU, they were able to build this into the season plan for our Munster players. And we'll just have to see who's available to her, really, so that, no, she'll be definitely going with her strongest squad. She'll want to make history. They'll want to win that match, you know what I mean, celebrating style afterwards. And then the girls will all be released back to their clubs um, the following week. Yeah, and something to look forward to. And just to mention to people listening that it's being billed as a fun-filled day of rugby at Thoman Park, obviously with two matches. But a fantastic idea here, in my opinion, family ticket packs a start from €40 Euro for two adults and two children. And that is extremely good value in this day and age. Yeah, and, and lots of tickets available. So, you know, I think we all got caught up with the World Cup um, mm. this weekend. So hopefully, you know what I mean, that'll incite the the appetite to get back out there, get the supporting, um, you know, the girls again uh, on the 30th and the guys, you know what I mean? And uh, it should be a great day out, I think. It should indeed. As we said, a historic uh, first ever doubleheader and first ever meeting for the Munster women's and Barbarians women's team at, ha- at two o'clock at Thoman Park on Saturday the 30th September preceding the men's game at 4.30pm. Details on MunsterRugby.ie and we're going to be talking a lot about this game in the weeks ahead and maybe to one or two players involved as well. Who knows? But uh, a fantastic day out as we said. So uh, as I said, go to MunsterRugby.ie for all the information on tickets ahead of what would be an historic occasion. Now on to even more important things and that is the opening round of the women's AIL can't believe it's come around already and a big start to the season for two clubs in particular we're interested in Wendy here in Munster and that is the UL Bows and Balancholic I know sure. can you believe it no. that we're already <laughs> kicking off the season with, I don't think we're after getting over last season but yes two way trips for our Munster clubs um, this weekend both at five o'clock kickoffs so Balancholic are away to Gall Regions 
Gull Regions will definitely want to start the season where they finished last year. They um, defeated BlackRock in the plate final. Um, you know, they're under a new coach. Their assistant coach has stepped up to the coach, David Clark. So he'll definitely be wanting to um, to kick things on there. A lot of girls, of course, who would have been involved in the Interpro series, you know, what I mean? in playing for Gall Regions. And they'll be up against Balancholic, who also have lots of new coaches involved there, lots of talent. And, um, you know, a good opening match trip to Galway. So look, fingers crossed for those. UL Bows are away to Wicklow. Um, and again, you know, a lot of our Munster girls do play for UL Bows. So they've been, you know what I mean? They're match fit. They're ready to go. They've been playing over the last couple of weeks and they'll be playing with at five o'clock on Saturday. So the very best of luck to both our teams and hopefully we'll have two victories. Yes, it would be a good positive start for those two particular Munster clubs. And can I put it to you, Wendy, as somebody, you know, who knows Munster women's rugby inside out, the women's AIL has never been more important now. It's a shop window, much like Tobin Park is a shop window for players, you know, involved in, in, or in, for their province, but for their clubs and those looking to put their hand up for selection for future internationals, consistency and doing well at women's AIL level is an absolute essential for any player who has those kind of aspirations. Yeah, I suppose, look, I mean, we have to remember there is no relegation this season. They are short one team, so that's a whole other conversation. Maybe we'll have it next week about the promotion mm. into the, the AL and the cup uh, st- structure there. But it is in a very important opening matches because you just don't know what you have until you get onto the pitch. Yep. It's a bit like the way Ireland started against Romania the other day and Romania mm. scoring the first uh, the first try. Um, anything can happen, but... You know, um, we're looking for consistency. They're going to look to, you know, to get points on the ground. If you can start your league with a win at the start of the season, it kind of gives you that confidence, you know what I mean, to build on. And, you know, the other side of it is they want to stay injury free, won't want to lose players in key positions earlier on in the season. And yes, there'll be girls who are hurt that they haven't been selected. I mentioned it last week in that Irish squad. um, And they'll be looking to put up their hands. You know, any injuries in that 30 in that Irish squad that have been selected, there'll be other players pulled up so they'll be putting their hands up for selection so it is a big weekend and um, no doubt about it but the, the players are up for it and ready to go As are we here on Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench because throughout the season we will follow the uh, trials and tribulations of both UL Bows and Balancholic and how well they get on the women's AL division ahead of of course the monster that is the women's and men's uh, junior uh, leagues throughout the province as well lots and lots of rugby to come school rugby to come which we haven't even talked about over the coming weeks and months can't wait to cover it um, and as we said though the highlight and the immediate on the horizon right now though is the Munster and Barbarians doubleheader at Thoman Park historic occasion Saturday 30 September at Thoman Park Munster women's team under Neil Briggs and Fiona has taken on the Barbarians who will have seven Irish players involved now as well ahead of the men's game at half four in Thomond Park details on MonsterRugby.ie lots and lots of rugby to come as well as we said over the coming weeks good luck to you well boys and Ballon Colleague we're going to touch base with them as the season progresses but for now our resident rugby expert Wendy Keenan thank you very much for joining us here on the Big Red Bench Thanks a million Jer Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Okay, it's time to uh, review the Cork LGFA Championships uh, at senior, intermediate and at junior level. A lot of action again this past week and uh, more action to come again this coming weekend as we reach the business end of the respective championships. Let's start as ever in the senior grade and in group one of the LGFA Senior Championship where Clonakilty produced a terrific performance to see off inch rovers 3928 and secure their first Group 1 victory of the campaign last weekend. Game was played in Killa where the West Cork club led 2-6-0-2 at the interval before going on to win by four points. 
Overcoming a second half yellow card, Clan out, ran out deserving winners with Sinead O'Donovan scoring 2-3, Ashling Maloney, Orla Loney, Myra Barrett and Claire O'Leary also amongst their scorers. Lydia Williams, Jess O'Shea, Eva Joyce and Tara Hickey were on inches score sheet. In the same group, St. Val's and Kinsale played out a cracking encounter, which Val's edged 4-11 sorry, to 3-11. Kinsale led by 6 at the short whistle, and it was an end-to-end encounter all the way through, until former Cork LGFA and Camogie All-Ireland winner Breach Corkery's introduction helped swing the result in St. Val's favour. For Kinsale, Cy Valeri scored 4 points, Aoife Keating got 1-1, Quiva Horgan got a goal, Faye Hearn also got a goal, Jenny Murphy 3 points, Lorraine Coppethorn, Kate Redmond and Sophie Collins a point each. Uh, Amy Shepard, two goals and a point. Kira McCarthy, 2-2. Laura Buttermer, not for Breach Corkery. Nicola Dennehy, Mairead Corkery and Sinead Cotter were amongst St. Val's scores. And what all that means is that uh, as it stands in the Senior Football Championship Group 1, St. Val's are top of the table on nine points from their three games. With Aerog uh, in second place, they've uh, played a game less uh, on six. And then Clonakilty on three. Kinsale uh, yet to score uh, a point as are Inch Rovers. Um, and uh, looking ahead, a crucial group Group 1 game t- takes place this Friday night in West Cork where Clonakilty will host Kinsale and St. Val's will entertain group leaders um, Air Oak on Sunday. On to Group 2 of the Cork LGFA Senior Football Championship where Castlehaven suffered a heavy 2-14 to not 2 defeat away to the current Senior County Champions Mornaby last Sunday. A goal either side of the break saw the home team pull away in a fixture. Neva Sullivan and Grani O'Sullivan provided the Havens only scores. On the day, Siobhan Courtney, Noreen O'Sullivan and Emma McCarthy also impressed for a battling West Cork club but no doubts about the winners there, Mornaby, who secured a county semi-final place in the process. Elsewhere in Group 2, Fermoy and Bride Rovers couldn't be separated following a superb 2.13 to 3.10 draw in Fermoy. Uh, the latter uh, will visit Castlehaven this coming Sunday with both clubs eager for victory while Bride Rovers will battle Ada on the same afternoon. And just back to that Bride Rovers and Fermoy game, it was 2.6 to 12 points at halftime, so no change in the score. And it was still level at the end, as we said, 3.10 to 2.13. For Bride Rovers, Grace Kearney contributed 2.3. Katie Quirk got 1.2. Abby Hoare got 2 points, as did Aoife Hurley. And Lily Murray also getting a point. And there were some standout performances from Grace Kearney, Katie Quirk, uh, Rebecca Walsh, Abby Hoare, Lily Murray and Sarah Murphy. As for Fermoy, Abby Scannell contributed 2-2. Saoirse Moore got four points. Ashley Hutchins and Andrea McGrath each got two points with Ava Carey. Uh, kicking three points. What all that means is that Moran Abbey, as we said, top of the table, 100, 100% record, three wins from three on nine points. They are now guaranteed a senior county semi-final slot. But the uh, other teams, uh, a lot still to play for there because Ada and Castlehaven are on three points apiece. Fermoy and Bride Rovers um, have each got a point and there's two rounds of uh, fixtures obviously to go. So uh, still a bit of football to be played, but um, it does uh, certainly look uh, at the moment uh, like uh, Morn Abbey uh, with their 100% record and because of their far superior scoring difference, they're all but assured a county semi-final slot. Um, their final game will be away to Fermoy while Ada will entertain Castlehaven in two two weeks time. Right, we move on to the Intermediate Football Championship where we've also reached the end of the Round Robin series and Neva Vaughan rubber stamped their Cork LGFA Intermediate County semi-final berth thanks to a comprehensive 221 to 4 points victory over Araglen Desmond's Bui last Friday. Lydia McDonough continued her superb individual season with 2-5 of Neva Vaughan's total. Grace Murphy scored 6 points. Colin Colleen Phelan, Annie Mara each scored four points. Rosha Corkery and Alana Hoare got a point apiece uh, for the Badavorni Club. Um, and what that means is Neva Vaughan have won both their group games uh, to finish top of the table on six points ahead of Ross Carberry, who have three points, and Eric Glendesman's 
Bui at the bottom on no points. Uh, into Group 2 of the Intermediate County Championship and there was uh, plenty of action here as well last weekend where Glanmire uh, were one of the favourites for the county yet again this year. They put up a big score against Awandala, completely outclassed them 420 to 6 points to take their total to 3 wins from 3 and a huge points difference as well which is now all but guaranteed their uh, county semi-final slot or sorry it has guaranteed their county semi-final slot but the other one was uh, certainly up for grabs as Valley Rovers and Dunham Moore met in Brinney and here Valley Rovers registered their second intermediate championship win of the season winning 5-10 to 1-5 Michelle O'Regan and Dara Kiley each scored 2-2 Eve Dwyer got 1-1 Shauna Cronin got 2 points Kim Muckin Leisha Collins and Roshan O'Donovan each scored a point confirming their win and also a place in this year's semi-final so Glenmire finishing top of the table as we said on maximum points with uh, uh, 3 wins from 3 uh, second place for Valley Rovers a great return for them uh, on six points Owen Dalla just missing out there on three points and Dunhamore failed to score a point in this year's Intermediate Championship Round Robin Series now what we think that means and it's yet to be confirmed but uh, the winners of Group 1 Navon Nave Avon will probably face second in that group Valley Rovers in one Intermediate County semi-final while Ross Carberry uh, will travel to the Group 2 winners Glanmire in the second last four encounter those matches yet to be confirmed as I said but I think that's what's uh, what's going to happen on to the Junior A Football Championship which delivered plenty of high scoring contests already this year and this weekend was no exception O'Donovan Ross have been the former team of this year's Junior A grade and the West Coast side made it four wins out of four thanks to a hard earned 14-3-3 victory over Douglas um, and just on that uh, in form Ava O'Donovan she's been playing quite well this season for the Skibbereen Club she kicked seven points Fanula O'Driscoll another player in form she scored three points Emma Hurley got two Jessica Beechner and Kate O'Donovan a point each contributing to the Skib Club's win despite the last Douglas's Ella McCarthy got two goals Eva Russell also got a goal with Quiva Russell and Caitlin Holland also uh, raising white flags now that result uh, confirms O'Donovan Ross's spot in the round, top spot in the round robin series as I said Um each team plays each other once and then the top four will go into the semi-finals so there is one round of matches to go but O'Donovan Ross have four from four but in really good form this year and they look uh, they look the one of the favourites for the title this year the uh, other semi-final pairings are to be decided following this upcoming weekend's final round of fixtures and they see Donnie's entertaining Bantry Blues in a West Cork derby Bantry Blues desperately need to win that to have a chance of forcing their way into the semi-final picture and Douglas will be taking on Middleton but last weekend, the Dunmanway Club Donnies boosted their junior A championship credentials with a 4 10 to 1 8 victory away to Middleton. Cork senior Melissa Duggan scored 2 2. Uh, Ruth Collins got 2 3. Mairead Crowley got 3 points. And Margaret Collins, 2 points uh, on a good day for Donnies. So this weekend's final round of fixtures will decide the final placings in their own Robin Junior A championship series. But as it stands, O'Donovan Rossa are top on 12 points, followed by Donnies and 6. Douglas and Middleton on 3 apiece. Bantry yet to register a victory. Um, and uh, depending on those results, we will know the the junior A semi-final pairings next weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. The final round of Junior B Championship group matches is also slated for this coming weekend. Now it's pretty straightforward here in that in Group A, Tyg McCorrick and Bishopstone have already uh, gone through to the semi-finals. They're each on six points apiece. Nemo Rangers and Corsis have yet to score a point and this weekend Bishopstone face Cora and Nemo Rangers will face Corsi Rovers so whoever wins the Tyke McCorrig and Bishopstone game will have top seeding heading into the semi-finals but both uh, Tyke McCorrig and Bishopstone already through and it's the same in the Junior B Championship Group 2 where Rock Bond and Carrigaline have each uh, accrued maximum points six points from their two games thus far Watergrass Hill and Drum Tariff have yet to score they face each other this weekend as well um, uh, while Rock Bond and Carrigaline similar to Group 1 the winner of that 
will decide uh, who who gets the top billing and then we will know the Junior B uh, county semi-final pairings by the end of uh, this coming weekend as well but that's been an entertaining one those semi-finals are going to be good as well all six teams that have gone through really really talented Tyg McCarrick Bishop Stone Rockbond and Carrigaline on to the Junior C Championship and uh, in this again it's a big uh, round robin series involving s- uh, seven clubs and after this past weekend we had results where uh, St. Peter's lost uh, to Ballinora 116-25 Barra fell by 3 points to Mallow 113-110 and uh, Aaron's own registered a big big win over St. Cullum's Aaron's own the farm team of the championship 4 wins out of 4 12 points at the top of the table Ballinora second on 9 St. Peter's of 6 as of Mallow Bear on 3 St. Michael's and St. Cullum's yet to feature uh, uh, and rack up a couple of scores now there's a couple of rounds of this particular championship left to go so it's still quite wide open but just going back to that Bear game even though they lost to Mallow Anya Terry O'Sullivan uh, rack up one three for the for the rural side. Katie O'Sullivan got three points. Michaela Murphy and a down in Kira Murphy and Claire O'Shea a point apiece, and that travelled to St Michael's this weekend. So that's one of the standout fixtures. Uh, of this coming weekend Ballinora will host Mallow Bear away to Michaels as we said and St. Peter's at home to St. Cullum so as it stands that Junior C Championship still some matches to go in that uh, before the semi-final pairings are decided on to the Junior D Championship uh, five clubs in this particular one and uh, it's pretty obvious at the moment who the farm teams in this are McCroom are top of the table after a big win over Winter Gabriels this past weekend where McCroom racked up eight goals Liss Gould uh, had a tight win over Ballinhasic 3-13 to 1-9 and that has pushed Liss Gould into second place. McCroom on top after four, three wins from their four outings and ten points. Liskool on seven and in St. Finbars and Ballinhasic on three points apiece. Meter Gables yet to get off the mark. Um, interesting matchups again this weekend. The final round of round robin games. Ballinhasic taking on the Bars. Meter Gables taking on Liskool. So McCroom um, already through now to the knockout stages of the Junior D Football Championship. The Junior E Championship is split up into two groups as we've said in previous uh, podcasts uh, and this past weekend as well. Uh, no matches uh, recently but young all are top of the table in the junior E ahead of Noctegree, Kilchanig, Neva, Finbarra and Mitchellstone. And in Group 2, there was one game where Bandon, the West Cork Club, went top of the Group 2 standings following a 3-18 to 2-6 win at home to Kilworth. Ava Long top scored for the winners with 2-9. Laura Cummins got 1-2. Sophie Hurley, Emma Tarrant, two points apiece. Rachel O'Donovan, Laura Barron and Marie Troy also contributing for the Lillywhites. Uh, and what that means is uh, Bandon, as we said, joined top of the table with Klein uh, at six points apiece. Kildari, uh, Clannagale and Kilworth yet to feature in that. And the top two from each of those junior championships groups uh, at the moment with Rock uh, will go through to the Junior semi-finals and this uh, coming weekend there are a couple of games down for decision Clannagale will entertain Kildare and Kilworth uh, will uh, host Klein. And just finally into the Junior F Championship because there's quite a number of clubs involved in this as well. Six teams in the first group. Uh, Killavullen uh, still top of the table there with Ballancolic on six points apiece. Tripsy still in with a shout of making the top two there on three points. Carrick Tool, St. Colmans and St. Mary's yet to register. And in the group two of this particular grade, uh, very wide open already. Still early days. Grana, Bantir and Iban ladies, uh, as well as Glanworth, all on three points with Passage and Kilamina looking to get off the mark there. And again, the top two in each of those groups will go through to the Junior F semi-finals. But as we said, lots and lots of action still to come in the club championship from senior to intermediate uh, down to all those junior uh, championship grades. Lots to look forward to over the coming weeks. CorkLadiesFootball.com uh, has all the tables and the fixtures and results as they come to hand. And uh, it's at CorkLGFA on uh, 
Twitter as well which is a good one to follow you'll find all the clubs there as well but for now that's the roundup for this week lots of action to come as we said uh, over the coming weekend which will decide uh, some of the junior grades uh, semi-final pairings we know the intermediate semi-final pairings and the senior will also be decided after this weekend so we'll have a, a good preview of the knockout stages in next week's Big Red Bench but for now that's this week's Cork AGFA Roundup that's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM